everybody. This is Kelly Dixon. I'm here with my co-host, Chris McCaleb. Hello. We're here to, to do the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. Episode number 308. I did it. Yay. All right. <laughs> Fifth time's a charm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm here with uh, uh, a lot of special guests, but one of my first special guests is Heather Marion. She is a new writer this season, and this is her episode. Hey, Heather. Hello. So can you tell us what the title of this episode is? Yes. 308 is called Slip. Slip. Okay, cool. Uh, welcome, Heather. It's good to see you. Thank you. Um, good to be and here. you have new hair today. I, you know, yes. got like purple, what is it? Purple dipped hair, sort of. Yeah, it's kind of tip. Purple and blonde. Blonde and nice. blue. Nice. Mm-hmm. Looks really cool. Thank you. Also, here with special guest, Jennifer Bryan. She is our, uh, what is it, head customer? Customer. Costume, Costume designer. designer. And you've heard, you've heard a lot about Jennifer on probably every other episode. And there's a chance you'll hear about her next week. I'm not saying we've already recorded that podcast. But if we had, I might be able to tell you that we talk again about really? her and her work. But uh, oh, again, kind. I might be speculating. I don't know. Maybe as long, next as long week. As yeah, good maybe. stuff. You never know good. what's good. Oh, it's all good stuff. Oh, okay. Jennifer, I want to offer my congratulations. I know you got married last year. Yes, I'm Thank you. Thank you. Lucky guy. And I know that you said you went back to Jamaica. To yeah, we got married in Jamaica. It was pretty nice, cool. Nice, oh, nice. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, here with the creators of the show, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Hello. Hello. Hello, guys. And another special guest, one of my favorite people, Patrick Fabian, who plays Howard Hamlin. Hello. Patrick. So, Patrick, hey. have you run any tri- did you run a triathlon this morning? I did not run a triathlon this morning. <laughs> did you do one yesterday? No, I did not. But I was in high plank position for about uh, five minutes earlier this morning. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Well yeah. done. Five minutes straight? Uh, yes. That, that no, that's impressive. not physically possible. No, it is. It is. And ask Bob Odenkirk next time he comes in, by the way, because he has a great story about going on a retreat. And it's the first time he's doing it, and it's a yoga thing, and and there's this whole plank thing, and there, and the, and the, and the idea was a contest to see who could like hold their high plank position the longest. And Bob, being who he is, scrappy writer from Chicago, was like, "Well, I'm not going to let these these people out outlast me." So he ended up holding it for like seven and a half minutes. Wow! No, he said, and everybody was mad at him because like he hadn't done really yoga, and he was like the new guy, and uh, and he I think I think he kind of lorded it over everybody at the retreat. So it was a bad way to start off, I believe. <laughs> is, that, is that the one where you sort of look like you're going to do a push up, but you're on your elbows? Not the elbows. It's oh. actually you're up. You're up in uh, with it is like a pull, oh. like a push. Up. Oh, so you're just yeah. holding yourself. Oh, Chris, up. you gonna show us? Is that what you're gonna do? You're gonna demonstrate yeah, us? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna spend the rest of the podcast in a high plank <laughs> position. <laughs> yeah, already somebody is like, "There's no way Howard Hamlin can do five minutes of high plank." And I get that. I understand. Oh, I There's doubters out there. So the high plank's harder than the low plank. Uh, it it is it is. Damn. But uh, wow. I've been uh, I've been working on a trainer so I can stay in these felt beautiful suits that Jennifer Bryan makes for me. So, oh, so pretty. My off season training is making sure that they don't have to say anything when I go in my first wardrobe uh, fitting to yeah. say like, "Oh, I guess we're gonna have to." let this out a little yeah. bit. Because you know, you know the minute you walk in the room, I do the scan thing. The Terminator. I do the Terminator measuring scan. <laughs> Why can't he just wear man spanks like Peter and I are wearing? <laughs> Wait, they make those? <laughs> oh, yeah, we baby. Oh, absolutely. The <laughs> they do. They do. No, well, you know what? I've, I've had occasion to put them on certain actors. Not on this show, but there have been some people where, you know. You put them on us. Well... <laughs> I, we weren't going to talk about that. I okay. had to. I had to wear. Uh, <laughs> I thought we, it was going to be between us, Vince. Wait, was it just me, Peter? Did you? I had back to wear. No, minute? I did. I did. I went even further. I wore Aaron Paul's 
uh, Aaron Paul's uh, Spank T-shirt because we Marin had to be in a, a wire rig uh-huh. uh, back on uh, the, uh, the last episode of Breaking Bad yeah. that I worked on. And I felt he was complaining about how uncomfortable. I knew it was going to be uncomfortable. It was going to pull on him. So I said, I'll wear it. And I, I so I basically, and, you know, Aaron is, uh, well, let's say I'm in the husky section. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and so there is, there is a picture. It looks like, I don't know, like a, a pig in a, a pig in a cor- <laughs> A pig in a corset or something like I don't know I don't know what to say about it, but it was not it was not comfortable. You know, I and, had a similar experience. That that your story is better than mine, but I tried on uh, uh, somebody else's. Well, I don't. I tried on a steady cam one time, and the uh, and the chest harness part was uh, for a guy like six sizes uh, smaller than me through the chest, <laughs> and it just. It was like it was like being tortured. <laughs> Steadicam, I think I said this on some other podcast. Steadicam operators have my undying respect. That is oh, like yeah. the oh, hardest absolutely. job. Plus, especially if your chest harness doesn't fit you, I do, like like man boobs are lapping out over the top. <laughs> Look like Dolly Parton in this thing. You have you have a you know you have a you have a d- daring side to you. You know you uh, I remember well also you know sympathetic side. I remember uh, that when. Uh, uh, this is going by, way back in time when Brian sh- had to shave his head. Oh yeah, on Breaking Bad, you, did, you this, did. You did the same. You did the I same. Did. His, right. I have never did. seen pictures of this. His, his, cool. his lovely wife Robin oh. was so upset that uh, he had to shave his. And 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 by the way, to be fair to Brian, was such a trooper. Season one, he shaved his head because there was a brief discussion about we'll put a skinhead wig on you instead, so you don't have to shave your head. But they, you have to get like the best makeup people yeah. in the world to make those things look halfway good and, right. and, yeah. and it takes forever to get mm-hmm. them to get them looking that good so he said ah the hell i'll just shave my head and his wife robin was very upset so i shaved my head in uh in solidarity and then uh i remember that and and wow. brian brian's hair like a fucking chia pet this thing his hair, his, his hair grew back it always does it every, he has every season, no problem it yeah. grew back within like four days yeah. he had a full head of hair and and months later i look like you know look, look like uh, you know like the uh, mr monopoly or that's something. not no, wait, true he, he had it hair. was not that i look like mr six from do you remember, do you remember there was a there used to be a character a wordless cartoon character named henry oh i look like yeah, henry. henry that's what i look like henry well no right? i won't say that but uh, it's, anyway, it's just, I'm just thought of that suddenly. Yeah, I should have worn the short pants. Just for the whole <laughs> <laughs> it finally grew back. Yeah. But that well, was one, know, that was wonderful. I should think up some photos of that. Yeah, I'd yeah. love yeah, yeah. to see that. I was sort yeah. of joking, not but not really. Um, I I don't know if we mentioned on any of the other podcasts, but I just want to mention um, it. I was joking about the the triathlon, but um, last year on the the day of the Emmys which is like getting ready for a wedding, basically. You have to be, you know, dressed and in your seat at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something. Patrick Fabian ran a triathlon that morning. I did. You know, I, 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 I'll plug this. It's for Children's Hospital LA, um, and it's the Nautica Malibu uh, Triathlon. And it happens usually the second or third week of September every year. I've done it 12 years in a row. And, uh, and you I weren't going to let a little Emmys get in the way of that record, huh? Well, you know, part of it's like, you know, what a magical thing to be invited to the Emmys. I am not jaded by that stuff at all. And, uh, and I love California. I came out here to be an actor, and I thought, what a complete day. I start off my morning with the sun rising in Zuma Beach. I get to swim in the ocean. I get to raise money for charity. And then by 2 o'clock, 
you know, hair and makeup people come to make me look pretty and a car gets sent to me so I can go talk about the TV show that I'm on and go have a fabulous dinner and applaud the industry I'm in. So I thought if I do that one day like that, then literally when I get hit by the proverbial bus, whenever that is, everybody at my wake can say like, nah, he's fine. He had a really good day. <laughs> That's incredibly That's impressive. Sorry about his fatherless day. children, but he really had a great day. <laughs> Hell of a Sunday. One year, I remember John Cryer. Uh, can, can, can we swear on this? Yes. Yeah, that bastard, John okay. Cryer. Uh, that's he, your swear? He would, he, that's my swear, we sorry. Can, yeah. we can, I got well, small kids at home, so I have to dial up. it down. He, he won the darn thing, and then he went and hosted the Emmys. Wow. wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. He, he showed up late, Seriously? out of breath. He's like, oh, is there any coffee? I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, he puts on a wet suit. Wham, he's through the water. Wham, he's done the ride. Wham, he's getting a trophy. Sorry, I got to go host. Wham, he's out in a limousine. Oh, my God. We're all standing there. We're standing like, there. Going, what's that? <laughs> I never would have known that looking at him. I never oh, met him. Or he's yeah, like no, a super for, There was athlete. a period there where he was a, a lean, focused machine. As, wow. as a matter of fact, he Impressive. would show up, and everyone would shrug and go like, oh, okay. Oh, Cry, wow. Criers here. <laughs> Hang on to his ankle if you can in the water. Wow. <laughs> That's wow. impressive. Yeah, good That's guy. That's Ducky, man. Ducky That's Dale. Ducky. That's Ducky <laughs> kicking your ass right there. Yeah. <laughs> that is impressive. That is. I did not All know. All right. So back to Better Call Saul, which is it's a kind of a packed episode here. I'm going to give a little shout out, though, to, uh, to Heather. Um, this was your first uh, script for Better Call Saul by yourself, right? You yeah, my first solo episode. I, I co-wrote the season two finale with Vince. Last year. Did you miss Last me year, on this yeah. one? I missed you, yes. Is it harder to write a whole episode than half an episode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is it I'm trying to tee you up. It's tee you up for some easy hard. answers. Thank you. you you're welcome. I, I don't know. For, for me, it was, I remember when I, when I was on staff, it was like, like eight times harder to write the whole episode <laughs> because you just felt like I'm God. I'm responsible for this, this whole damn right. thing. And and when you, I don't know if this was your experience, Heather, but when you've got half an episode, it seems like a really finite number of scenes. You know, you have whatever it is. It's eight scenes, and you can just go over them endlessly and polish them up. And uh, but then when you're on your own, man, that is that is that is a lot of responsibility. Yeah, but you carry it off beautifully. Thank you. Yeah, I will cool. say that Heather. Um, I remember uh, in the first season you were uh, new to our, us. You did not work on Breaking Bad, so you were new to our crew here, and you were a writer's assistant. Yep, which is I a was, pretty big mm-hmm. job to get. Not being on the crew before, can you talk a little bit about how you got introduced to our crew here and how you might have landed that job? Yeah, I was doing my before this. I was working for Jeff Garland for about four and a half years, and I. Um, I was associate producer on a feature, an indie feature that he directed that Bob Odenkirk starred in. So that was my, that was how I got to know Bob a little bit. And toward the end of my time working for Jeff, I finished my master's at UCLA in screenwriting. So I felt like I was ready to go into a writer's room. And um, Jeff had just done a show at the Largo with Vince. Jeff came and said, there's a new show starting called Better Call Saul. It's a spinoff from Breaking Bad and they're gonna be starting a writer's room. And I said, could you please maybe send an email for me so that I could perhaps get an interview on the show? Um, So I met with Jen and Gordon for my first interview, and then I came back and met with Melissa and Peter, and then I got into the room. And I remember our first day on Better Call Saul, we worked at Vince's house because we didn't have an office yet. We hadn't found the, the writer's office, so... I think I was the first one there, and I was pretty nervous. Wow! That's right. Were you the first person? Yeah, was that the? Oh, I was. Yeah, I was. I, I was like, I was yeah. like, twenty minutes early, and Holly answered the door, and she was like, "Oh, what do you? Okay, 
<laughs> we don't want any. Yeah. Well, if I'm not wrong, Heather wrote my audition scene, did you not? Yes, that's true. Oh, yeah. Right, so yeah, I have you to thank for the job, actually. I mean, I first, uh, I've told this before, I'll, I'll make it real fast, but um, I get the sides uh, for Better Call Saul for the audition. And another long story short, two weeks before, I had gotten pinned for a guest spot on Dog with a Blog, which I did not get because they went with a name of your name. I'm not going to bitch about that, but <laughs> <laughs> dog with a blog. Dog with a blog. The okay. dog's number one on the call Multiple sheet. Look it up. Emmy very, winner. very popular show. <laughs> okay. um, gotcha. And then two weeks later, I get these sides for Better Call Saul, and uh, and and I, it's three pages. There's nothing in front, nothing in back. There's a sm slight character description, and I remember going down to my wife and saying, you know, are you kidding me? What, what is this? H how am I supposed to audition with this? It's like being on a merry-go-round with a single dart and the bullseyes 30, 30 or 40 yards down the field. Uh -huh. So I, I go, rah, 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 rah. and then she says, well, isn't that nice? Now you get to go ahead and make up what you want. And I was like, that's not the answer I want. Anyways, <laughs> so I took her to heart, and I took those words that Heather Marion had written for me, and then I went in, and through those words, I ended up sitting here right now with you. So thank you very much for the job oh, of my life. And, and, you, and Patrick, you hit it out of the park. Yeah, I, you know, there's just you. We just there was no question. As soon as you, as soon as you opened your mouth, uh, there that down down there, it's it's Sony on that fateful day, however many years ago that was. Uh, we just we just knew you were the guy. Awesome. Uh, and we it particularly was, like the French accent. That's here. right. He <laughs> <laughs> really conditioned that out. The beret, the beret was a little too much. Well, you know. We knew we had to fix you up a little bit because you looked completely different, of course, back then. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions um, before we kind of started in on the episode. I get interviewed, uh, like, for job interviews and, you know, other shows and stuff like that. And one of the questions that I get all the time, and I don't really know if I've ever answered the question the way they want me to answer the question. But they always say, you know, wh what what is your, how is your approach different between Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul? And I think they want me to come up with something like, you know, really sophisticated and everything. And I'm like, you know, my approach is, is no different to, to my own personal work. So I thought, hmm, I'll ask Jennifer today, <laughs> is there any, in, is there any difference in your approach in, in uh, and you know, it easily you could have a very, very different answer than me. I anticipate it. In fact, I'm probably going to take some of yours and repurpose it for my own part. <laughs> so no, no pressure. It's got to be exactly. good. Exactly. No but do you have a, a different approach? Because you did, uh, I believe, what is it, four seasons of Breaking Bad? The, the fifth season, which ended up being like a year plus, right? Yeah, which was yes. essentially two seasons. Two, essentially okay, two seasons. okay. Yeah. Um, there were two different things. First off, when I when I got hired for Breaking Bad, it was just like fabulous. Um, it was it, the difference was on Breaking Bad. I had to fill those shoes, those design shoes of what was established in previous seasons, and bring it up, and then still bring my A game. So it's sort of like, okay, you got to put your own spin on it but you can't twerk it so far away that it doesn't bear any resemblance to the original, right? To, to right. what you inherited. So I had that sort of conundrum to deal with and challenge, which I loved, because I love challenges. Then the difference going into, into Better Call Saul, even though the show was, had a historical connection, it gave me an opportunity to have a fresh start because it was a prequel mm -hmm. so we could create how it started as a matter of fact I remember early in the early beginnings Vincent Peter we had a meeting like okay we know how 
Jimmy ends up this kind of peacock dandy, you know, attorney, but how did he start? Mm -hmm. So that was the difference. I I was able to kind of semi-wipe the Breaking Bad design slate in my head and start with something new. It's, you know, you know, I don't know why I just had this idea. It's like, the other day I was reading about um, the Mona Lisa. They x-rayed it, and behind it are different variations of that painting before he came to the eventual thing. So it was like that. So like Breaking Bad is back there, but you don't necessarily see it hard and fast in Saul in terms of my design aesthetic. So it's like a little bit of it, but an opportunity to just have something fresh, which was a great design opportunity for me. And I thank you guys. We thank you. For, for bringing oh, me yeah. on oh, yeah. onto Saul. It's awesome. You. I've got a question, because in, in season three, mm-hmm. um, I've been noticing, I, I think it's kind of strange that I noticed, but I think it's to, to your credit that I noticed, um, that, okay, so when Jimmy started out in season one, he had the brown suits with the double breasts. Right. He don't wear those no more. No. Then when he got onto Davis in Maine in season two, he started wearing the gray suits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and now, and then he started wearing the, the I guess, the, uh, the matlock suit, which is always <laughs> one of my favorites. But <laughs> what I've noticed now mm-hmm. is that he doesn't go back to the brown suits, but it seems to me that he did keep the gray suits, and he does wear, is that not true? Or? Yes, he does. He keeps the gray suits for for two two reasons on the practical side he doesn't have that much money remember now he's a little bit right. strapped for cash to set mm-hmm. up this this office with, right. with 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 kim so he and he also wants to maintain a certain degree of lawyer attitude with the with his senior clients mm-hmm. so he's not you, you can't really put him in the flashy suits yet so he came back he's more confident he doesn't need the brown suits anymore He's got all these suits that probably Davidson Maine probably gave him a a, a stipend right. for suits. Mm-hmm. Why not use those? Do you think that Kim has any kind of like you know any kind of influence over him saying, "No, those Davidson Maine suits, let's let's go with those. Let's keep those." Well, I think I think subconsciously, and he's you know he's in that position at at that stage of the story where he really needs her approval. Mm-hmm. He need he needs her as an ally, and he needs the emotional approval. So he's not gonna. Plus, he's, he's still doing his little crazy stuff, crazy shit. But at least for appearances, because they're partners, he wants to present a good image to those clients coming in, and she would approve. So I think if he came in there with one of his crazy suits that he used, uh, or a matlock, she would look at him like, what are you, what are you doing? Right. So I think it's his subliminal way to say to her, look, I'm straight. I'm going to behave. We're going to do this together. And you won't be sorry that you joined forces with me. Cool. Okay, so I know. Oh, I'm sorry. I, this is just say? this is just such a perfect example of why Jennifer is just tops. Absolutely. Because yeah. you know she's thinking about the characters. Absolutely. She's thinking about the relationship between the characters, and you know in television, I, I don't know. I, I I've come to the thought that maybe the most important thing in in a television show is a character. Uh, that 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 you know story is incredibly important. Uh, cinematography, although visual storytelling, those things are very important. But you watch because because you're interested in the people, mm-hmm. and those costumes tell you so much. Absolutely. And especially when we're in a a show about a character who evolves, who yes. changes, who's always trying on new identities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jennifer keeps coming up with with new things. I mean, we were talking back in uh, 30, 307, We were talking about the safari jacket. 
and mm-hmm. and that, that wonderful <laughs> safari jacket where you put in every flap known to man. man. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was pretty funny because you know, they they didn't exist, so I had to like buy like four, right. and then like one was like my. The, the, the fourth one I bought like was fabric. Right. So I would take the flaps off of that jacket and add it onto the body. <laughs> wow. it's, um, I, I hope I hope the audience uh, gets it when that they see great. it. It was pretty cool. pretty cool. So I'm curious since Patrick is here, I'm curious about the choices for his suits. Um, I know we talked a little bit about it last year when you were here, but you know, what about you know, I mean, obviously he has this style of the tie pin mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. but I've noticed that even his style is changing. Not a lot, just but just a little, a little bit. bit. Just, a, just a little bit to, to, you know, to keep the interest because, you know, as, as Peter was saying, when it comes to, to clothes and in my, in the fitting room, I will, and you'll tell, we, we'll go through process. And although his look is like sort of set, there is enough subtlety that what's going on with, with Hamlin's character, I can tweak it in the fitting room in that particular episode, like we talked about when you had to like climb over the wall. Right. Oh, I, yeah. Right. Yes. I right. like to call that your American ninja. Yes. <laughs> so it was hilarious. It was hilarious. We, I think we ninja. talked a lot about that yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Somebody has made that vault into a, and I'm going to be an old man now, a meme? In, in, into, in a meme, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've seen quite a few. I thought, yeah. okay, uh, you know, that with the other day with the Sunday uh, Emmy thing, I, I, can, I can die now. Because oh. uh, <laughs> if, awesome. if you're a meme, you've yes. made it. Right? <laughs> it was funny. Cool when you took that leap, I was like, when you took that leap, though, I was like, thinking, oh, those shoes. Yeah, yeah. The, and the shoes. I, I had to think about the shoes, and we had to kind of make sure that you know that there was enough slippage to make to make that scramble look sort of comical a little bit, mm-hmm. but not that you're gonna fall and break your ass because Peter and Vince would kill me if that happened. Well, I was, very, I, I was very protective of the suit as well. You know, we're going over concrete walls. Has anybody's ever touched yes. concrete? You know, it just grabbed. It, it yeah. grabs the pool. Yeah, right. And you know, even though obviously we would have some doubles, doubles of the stuff, but you know, we didn't want it to be. You know, having things rip yeah, and, and it wanted, tear, yeah. and, and you know, I'm I'm very attached to my clothing. There's no doubt about it. I think I wear it like that. You know, um, I, I'm a pretty good actor. I'll give you that. But and and these guys know how to write. But that suit is 80 percent of my job. I'm halfway there. <laughs> it's a beautiful suit. You know, everyone's like, "What is he? What is he doing in his trailer to get into character?" I put on that suit. And look at myself. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and uh, I put that on. It's like my suit of armor. It helps inform. I lead with my clothes. I mean, my, my Howard's wonderful not even dirty secret is in every scene there's something drops through his brain that says I'm the best dressed man here and uh, my suit is more expensive than your car is sort of <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I love that I, well I no absolutely that. you know I sit there across mm-hmm. from Jimmy and even Chuck who's not a fashion he's not a peacock at all you know he's very much more uh, uh, um, yeah, uh, not a Luddite but uh, what's the word uh, uh, practical a rude mechanical and, and, right, and very practical yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and so therefore when I sit across those tables and 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 things aren't maybe cutting my way or going the way I want. There's there's another part of my brain that's like, am I being screwed over by a man who's dressed like that? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And, that's and, awesome. and that I is, didn't know that. That's absolutely awesome. coming from Jennifer because Jennifer, you know, provided me with these knit ties that, by the way, you couldn't even find when we first started the show. She mm-hmm. had to scour to find them, and now Ted Baker makes them. So yes. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if Jennifer's making yeah, any money off that. I know. I mean, it's the truth. It's the truth. I had such a hard time finding them, yeah. and now and also. Um, to show to show you how the show influences in ways that you, in in markets and areas that you don't even think about, 
the, the round collar that I did and then the, the bar which I couldn't find and I had the, those shirts made for you in is Italy. that coming back they're in the stores yeah wow. there you go. with the ties and I go and I go hmm should be paying you I'll tell you I was at the Dodger game on Tuesday night <laughs> and me and my friend were sitting there watching the ball game and the two people behind us were like talking about Better Call Saul you're kidding and we almost thought Okay. Is it a set up? Right, right, right. And they're but and we just kind of, and I even like actually looked back and I'm, and they were just I can't I don't remember what they were saying, but it was just amazing. You know, we just started laughing. What? That's incredible though, Jennifer. That Thank that's you. Really who who makes those suits? I, or, or are they or are they oh. Stefano, yes. Stefano. Our guy, um oh. he's um Ita- Italian and the suits are he we do incredible measurements and then the fabric and everything is sent over to Italy and come back. And believe it or not, he's the same tailor who makes Jimmy's double breasted suits. Remember we were talking yes. about and then the tailors in Italy were going, Is that this is not make a sense? This is not a good suit. <laughs> <laughs> why the you, people are buttons? Why the button? The button are too high and the pockets are the, the wrong button. place. <laughs> and we were like, No, this is how we want it. And so they have this amazing ability to do, you know, to do it not right but right. Yes. And then just impeccable and sartorial for Patrick's. Yes. Yeah, going down to a fitting for those guys is, is wonderful. You walk in and it's these these two brothers, of course, they're dressed so oh, well. Fabulous. Right. Yeah. Just yes. casually, they toss whatever they tossed on right. just looks beautiful. Yeah. Wow. And I usually go down looking well, like I do when I walk onto set, which is pretty awful. And um, <laughs> no. and they look you at me and they don't, awful no. they, they, they don't have they don't have judgment. Well, it's the jeans that don't fit, boots that are from 1987. I, I think I'm in Guns and Roses. I think you're rocking like that, it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but they made a suit for me. I finally went ahead and got myself a, a suit made for myself. Oh, personal yes. one. Oh, personal yes. one. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, I want a Hamlin suit. And then they were like, they, he was so thrilled to be able to make one for me. And I feel like a big boy, like an adult now. Like, wow. And I got was it, it back. Was it like a blue pinstripe? Was it really you know, a Hamlin it, suit? It that way it is a very light pinstripe it's so funny because you know i was he's like well, what do you like and i'm like i i have i have no opinion i i don't know you you dress me mm-hmm. which he loved and mm-hmm. then he but but he wanted to explain to me why he was making the choices or what mm-hmm. he thought he's like i think right. in this area you should do this and it was it was just wow. it was a it was great so it, it reminded cool. me of you know like you just i usually just put things on which is why i'm glad jennifer bryan's behind <laughs> me because she's already thought out why I should be putting on what I put on. And then I get to put it on and it informs me just by seeing it, mm-hmm. you know, and all that's really wonderful. And so between the Stefano and Jennifer Bryan, you know, I, I like I said, my work's like practically wow. done by the time I get I have I a get personal question for you. So does your wife like notice and say, well, that, mm, that's nice. <laughs> Oh, on those suits? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And everybody, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which implies possibly she doesn't like the valley husband look I've been sporting for the past. Years. Which, you know, is kind of casual, a little, little bit of birth in the room there in the, in the pants. She, you know, she, she actually did pull me aside at one of the things, you know, social things. She goes, Patrick looks so good. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, one more question for you, Jennifer, about costuming. And it's Gus. I wanted to ask you about Gus. And you can, absolutely, I want you to say, uh, expound on whatever, but I actually wanted to ask you about that beautiful coat that you have him in with the plaid. Because I remember last, in on Breaking Bad, there was also, like, what was it, a cashmere coat that he had that was really super nice. That is not the same coat. This is so, I was like... That's what I noticed when yeah. he got into the car with Lydia. What was it? What episode was that? Six, I think. Six. 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 Yeah. And it was like I was like looking at that coat, going, "Ooh," because yeah. that one actually looks a little bit like the like the 
the sport jacket I guess he had when he killed Uncle Tio mm-hmm. in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. It's got it's a blue plaid. Yeah, that was really yeah. Nice. And That's you, a I'm, thank you for noticing. I I I thought this was a case where I kind of kept that Breaking Bad connection because. He, Gus himself doesn't really transform. He starts out as a highly styled gentleman, mm-hmm. you know, from, from Breaking Bad and then Primo. Mm-hmm. So I had to go, okay, his thing, his, his sartorial journey isn't very far because he was, he was that kind of meticulous kind of guy. And I definitely go in that blue plaid shirt, sport jacket. Yeah. So I decided yeah. that I wanted it to be a plaid, but what I did with the with the gray top coat that he's wearing, it's it's a, like a shadow plaid, so it's not strong, 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 mm-hmm. but again, a, a connection. And thank you for noticing. It's a shadow yes. plaid. A shadow plaid. I've never heard that term before. Mm, I could teach this you a couple is, of costumes. I, I, I <laughs> could take a, a whole yes. week-long class, yes. I think. Yes. So now you, have you to know do a about plank knit first. ties and round collars. Oh, and man. <laughs> i got to get on the show, I think. Oh. <laughs> it's someone to make suits that make me look good. <laughs> Come on, down. I think I have to get in a uh, five minute plank yeah. shape first. Yes, okay. know everybody listening is going to try this at home to say how long they could do the plank. That's It's amazing. Right. Tweet to Kelly, tweet time. to Kelly how long you can, how long you can plank. No, yeah. don't, no, no, don't. <laughs> no, don't clog her feet. No, no. Uh, let's get back to the episode. We start back. out in the, in the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we start, <laughs> we start out, well, there's always someone in the I know, I was, I think this is all I say, Kelly, I think you're, this is, you're doing great this episode. These questions are wonderful. Thank you. And yeah. uh, with that that opening teaser, I when yeah. I saw that, I was like, "Damn, I love it!" So is that is that uh, had you guys was that the same uh, location as before, or is it uh, had that work? No, that is a well, Heather. What was that was? I believe that was a set that, that Michael Novotny built. Yeah, it was great. It was it looked great. It was awesome to have Mel Rodriguez back. Marco coming. That was really fun for me. Because I was like, oh, wait, no, that's cool. They brought him back. I, and we I, have to thank uh, the producers of Last Man on Earth because they, 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 they helped us make this, make this happen. Because Mel, of course, is, he is, he is on that show and he is yes. wonderful yeah, on that he show. Is he is a key member of that cast. And so for us to get him for a day, and he, I, for us to get him for a day was, it was very, very generous of very them to of let, them. let that mm-hmm. happen and help, help us with that. Uh, what good was show, it like? by the way. That's a good show. I loved, uh, boy, when I got to, to, to start off with Mel uh, back in uh, back in season one, and I loved working with him so much. He's he's such he is such a wonderful actor. Just even looking uh, in the at the dailies, he's every moment he has is is wonderful and so real. He's got a warmth. He to does him, have a warmth, which though, is yeah. which is like the real man. He brings mm-hmm. he brings that that bit of reality. What what was it what was it like shooting that scene, Heather? Oh, he was he was wonderful. I mean, of course, he took direction fantastically, and it was so fun to see the variations in their performances. And and you know, the set looked great, and the use of the flashlight was really cool. Uh, seeing the Band-Aid box was was really great. And yeah, so you know what? I think Peter, I think you had to explain to me that Band-Aid box, um, which I, and I was of all the things that I noticed, like I'll notice the coat, but I did not remember the Band-Aid box. But I will say, in all fairness to me, that I didn't cut that episode with um, that Vince did uh, the pilot episode where that Band-Aid box appears, and Peter had to like explain that to me. So yeah, how did you guys in the writers' oh, room? Should you explain it to the folks listening? Yeah. Why oh, did you I? Go re- ahead should and I explain it? it? One of you guys. So Heather, Heather can explain it. 
Well, if you look closely, it's the box that you see that Gene has in Omaha in the, the very pilot first episode, episode. Yeah, yeah, in his shoebox. In his shoebox, along yeah. with the videotape and all that. Yeah, right. and we have yet to find out what's inside that Band-Aid box now for Gene in Omaha. And mm-hmm. if you decode the titles this season, it's a GPS <laughs> coordinate for where the box is. <laughs> Don't tell people that. Just follow Wes McFloss. Tweet that to Chris McCaleb. What is Wes It's like geocaching. Yes, this is a geocache. This is activate internet. Activate. This is this is how you. Yeah, this is you can actually meet Wes McFloss <laughs> if you go to that location at the right I, time. I was incredibly excited to see Marco, and I remember when when he passed away in 110. I remember conversations in the cutting room of it being sad that this great, really interesting character and what he brings out in Jimmy is, you know, lost to the past. But then the concept of, well, we do go back to the past sometimes. And it was great to see him live again. I really, really enjoyed seeing that. And, yeah. and I have I to love say, him. as great as, as that set is that Michael Novotny built, it comes alive with what Marshall, what Marshall Adams did with it. Oh, and, and that yeah. uh, yeah. it's, it's just it makes the it's, lighting. It's the lighting, the lighting that Marshall did, uh, just made it so so evocative. It's a very dark scene, and, and so uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping folks at home have uh, have high quality. Uh, screens to watch it on because I remember in the editing room don't watch room, it on your phone for God's yeah. sake in the, no. edi- in the <laughs> editing room we, had to, we, we would have to turn out the lights no to, to look okay. at the scene yeah to watch the scene you know. the prop w- department did a great job too they did bring back some stuff that we saw in the original store and like weathered it yes. and and timed it up so I will really say cool. that when I got that script I grew up in Chicago as you all know and immediately I started Facebooking friends and asking them okay in the 70s, do you guys remember? Like, we're there, because I think the original thing was Moon Pies. And I'm like, do y'all remember Moon Pies? I don't know. Moon Pies were a Southern thing. I don't know. And then you changed it to uh, Little Debbie's, which also are a Southern thing. But I was curious about the, the research that you did for... Um, um. Now, to save you, Yes, my friends do remember Little Debbie. Yeah, I remember Little Debbie. Oh, well. Little Debbie was, I, I, I think that was one of the ideas that um, that Bob had when he read the script. And That's said, fine because he grew up yeah. in, in Chicago yeah. land as well. But I was like, I don't remember Little Debbie. I don't. Well, Moon Pies was the thing at, at first, and I immediately started Facebooking because I was like, Look, I'm not going to go to Heather before I absolutely know. Very fine. You are bringing in a localism, like you know, like Jay's potato chips is very very local. Right. Right. to Chicagoland and and, and like and old Midwest. style, yes, old old style. Yeah. exactly. So I was just wondering about the research that um, that you might have had. Yeah, to do. we try to keep it. We try to keep it regional and and time sensitive. Yeah, cool. But we're so lucky to have you know folks like you and Bob who who really are from are from that uh-huh. area because That's there's true. we can do you can do all sorts of research on the internet, but there's no substitute for our firsthand knowledge. Right. And then, you know, I, I love how everyone on the show, I mean, in all departments, are so very, very particular about, you know, being authentic, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And also even listening when somebody might bring up, oh, you know, I don't know if that, you know, you might want to, let's, let's check. Let's check on that. So. And we have to give props to our fabulous prop guy, Mark Hansen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who just oh, brings, awesome. finds the, the Mr. best Hansen, thing. he's the best. He is, isn't he? Absolutely. Cool. You know, in this in this particular episode, I know that he helped 
he and Michael Mando worked together to figure out that whole pill switching, that the pill, whole yeah, pill yeah. switching thing. They had a whole how did that? How did you guys? How did you guys work on that? Of course, I, I also want to mention that this is this episode is directed by Adam Bernstein, who is just one of one of our top directors. Wizard. Uh, he's he's the he's the guy who, of course, directed the after the pilot, the first two episodes of Breaking Bad. That's right. He also directed the first two episodes of Fargo. What a yeah. coincidence! Um, and uh, he's, he's, he is—he is just—he is—he is a wonderful, a wonderful guy. He's—he's—he's uh, he's, he's a friend of mine, and I, I just think he's—I think he's—he's—he's he's, he's just a powerhouse. Yeah. So he's also he one of the great, fastest great, directors great. in captivity. Mm-hmm. He is the guy that ever tell the story. He is the guy that I was just about to say his name to direct the pilot for Breaking Bad. I was asked by Rob Storcher, who was who was running uh, AMC at that point. Uh, they said, "Okay, we're going to make this thing." I was like, "Oh, thank God! Great, thank you guys." And and Rob Storcher, to God bless him, thank you, Rob, if you're listening. He said, "Who do you think should direct this?" And I didn't even dawn on me that anyone would think that I could do it because I'd only done two two episodes of X Files, <laughs> like six years before that. So I hesitated to answer. I was formulating a list in my head, and. I only hesitated like a second or two. And, and the tops on my list was Adam Bernstein, who I'd worked with uh, uh, briefly on a project uh, that didn't go anywhere. But I just, I love the guy. And I was going to say, I was just about to say Adam Bernstein when Rob Searcher said, how about you direct it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Adam. Sorry, Adam. Sorry. But, you know, Adam's also But then he did, he did number two and three, yeah. And, all, you know, one credit that I forgot to mention, he also directed the pilot of 30 Rock. So this oh, is this yeah. is like a, and, and Scrubs he's and he directed Scrubs, Scrubs and also Oz. Yeah. So this is this Oz, is a guy Oz, this is a guy who has just unbelievable range. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like the Paganini of uh, of television directors. It wasn't he the pianist who had the like hands so big he had like covered several octaves. I mean the range that uh, Adam has uh, amazing. It's remarkable. It's or remarkable. no, not he wasn't a pianist. He was a Whatever he was, <laughs> big hands. He had big hands. <laughs> yeah, Mike Bermatrad, did I even remotely get that right? You got it, Vince. It was Niccolo Paganini, or as his friends call him, Old Long Hands. All right, good to know. Thank you, Mike. Very good to know. No problem. He knows everything. Can't argue with you there. So moving on to the oh, sorry. Oh, Chris, I, well, I was just I was just gonna ask about when he's trying to get the pills back. And, and then he's fumbling with them, and I was so I was nervous too, yeah. man. My my gut, it just yeah. of, of him just trying to figure out how he's going to get it and how he's going to get it back in. How can you talk about how do you write something like that? Because the the focus really to pay so much attention to how he's going to get it back in, because that's such a dramatic thing, and how he's going to make that happen without getting caught. Like, how do you do you write those beats into the script? Do you write those moments? Those how does that what is a script like that this is an impossible question to answer i realize but i, it's I have faith in you. Question to ask. yeah apparently <laughs> well um, i mean i i i think again like it starts in the writer's room we had talked about the scene a lot in the room and we we even talked about like wouldn't it be great if like his hands were sweaty and 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 maybe one of the pills stuck to his hand or something like that you know and uh, little details like that and they do end up making it into the script but it in that instance for that scene we had the the preceding scenes of like you know he's he's going to get up on the roof and create a it, right. it took us a long time to figure out what is he going to do what kind of thing is he going to pull to get Tio to take his jacket off we we went through a lot of variations of that and um and then the scenes that that um Adam had so well planned out for and Mark 
Mark made that little contraption. Mark Hansen. Mark Hansen, our prop guy, made that little pill TikTok tech thing. Yeah, whatever, whatever that was. But it was it was great. Just everybody, everybody did a great job. That was. That, it makes that. me so nervous. That scene. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love that scene so much. It is so well acted, so well directed, so well written. And and, and, yeah. and oh. a beautiful beautiful piece of uh, Dave Porter music over it too. Oh. And I get uh, Kelly waving at me over here. It was beautifully edited. Thank you. <laughs> it, it really was. was. I that do was want to so take a of course it was. Because I feel like yeah. I yeah, had you should. There was that's a lot like of work saying, to do to create that that suspense. That's in there. like saying the sky is blue. I leave that out because it's so it's such a <laughs> such you. a given that the editing is wonderful. I'm that's, sorry, Kelly. I, I, right. I should not have left that out. I, I, and yes, I, it was beautifully edited as always. I, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to toot my horn, but toot toot because <laughs> <laughs> because because it, it was it, it was all about creating the suspense, and right. that is absolutely in what you want to see. Where um, you know the the hard part, um, not hard, but the the interesting part of that is you have to make sure, just like you said, does the pill stick to his hand? We have to be with him. We have to like be nervous, but we also have to keep track of Tio. You know, uh, in that scene, yeah, right. is he noticing? What's he noticing? You know how he is. Right. You know, and this can this is the only plan that Nacho has, and we need to be with Nacho in that in that scene. And and also, you know, Adam had a tough tough uh, job because he's got to be with Nacho's face. He's got to be with Uncle Tio. I know I always say Uncle Tio, but that's my thing. <laughs> and he's got to <laughs> be Uncle, under Uncle. that table. And and those are really really hard angles to 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 try and get with all those pills yeah. and you have to like say okay what's he doing is he counting them how many are there he's got it's got to be all exact and the thing is we have to walk the, we have to walk with our audience through all of those beats and so adam you know got all of those pieces for me but it was all about okay how do we show this you know how what what are our beats in that and you know the other thing i think i might have sp- spoken on a podcast long ago about this but um, my first ep- episode that I ever edited was an Adam Bernstein episode. It was yeah, episode wow. 102 yeah. and the bags in the river where Walt kills Crazy Eight in the basement with right. the bike lock. That's the clue. That's oh, the clue yeah. uh, thing. That's the envelope, the clue envelope on it. Uh, Walt kills Crazy Eight in the basement with the bike lock. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think that I, I said to you a long time ago, Vince, when I read that, the, the scene that scared me the most was Walt figuring out the broken plate. Right. And there were no there was no dialogue. This is one of those same things yeah. where there was no dialogue here. Yeah. And so all of visual. It, yeah. And the, these are and these are the scenes that I'm not going to say they scare me, but they are challenging True. because if they fail, it's my fault. You know. Oh, well, I wouldn't go that far. It's like saying the last batter up lost the baseball game. I, I uh, sometimes he does. Sometimes well, he does, yeah. no, but I mean, it's 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 a group effort. It wasn't just one batter. No, we can't use sports metaphors with sports Kelly. Ball. She'll she'll always she'll always she'll always top us with the sports ball. No, but, uh, but it, you know, it, 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 Kelly, this is one of the great things about working with you. That's just a log roll here for a moment because you're so attentive if there's people think that all these crafts all these arts are uh, technical and it's it's really it's sure there's a technical side to editing but it's you're really a storyteller and it's because you're so attentive to the psychology of the characters and what 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 the person's thinking and you I can I've seen you in the editing you project yourself into 
into the characters, very much so. And and you'll say you'll say I want to. So I was dressing I in Howard's suit. That's absolutely. <laughs> I want. I want. Fit in Howard's suit. I'll walk. Suit. I'll walk in, and Kelly's wearing Howard's suit, and I say, Oh, well, must be. We're, we're you know we're cutting a, we're cutting a Hamlin scene. Uh, but it's it, 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 it is it is true, and it's I think that it's it, you know it's because you bring all that passion to it that the re, the results are good. But you know I I just want to. It's really for, I always think of these podcasts as being semi-educational, but I, I just always want to, and I've said this a million times, and I'm going to keep saying it, there's all these, all these things have a technical side to it, but that's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's just the, that's just the jumping off point. Just like, you know, learning how to use a word processor is part of writing. It's maybe the beginning of it, but it's certainly not the end of it. And that's, that's why, uh, that's one of the reasons, uh, is, is, Kelly and I, sometimes it's a little bit, it's 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 a little bit by like uh, a group therapy session when we're working together, but I, I'm so proud of the results. We have to kind of get to the meat of it. I think everybody here and everybody on our crew, everybody brings it. Just like you said, the the just what's on the page is the is the first step. It's underneath. It's the subtext. It's bring. It's putting your heart into all of it that really really brings it out i've said to you vince before that it's you know it's, to me you have to love your characters no matter what they do you have to love them. you get the best performance out of them and mm-hmm. i think that oh, it's probably you know you know with patrick you know he, he sinks himself into into howard and he finds the humanity in that you know yeah. and and jennifer when she you know she sinks herself into those do you think you have characters. to love your characters though yes okay and you may be right i'm not arguing with you I know for sure you have to be continually engaged by them. Some characters, though, I'm thinking of the main one from our last show, yeah. got harder and harder to love, but I, but we're hopefully always engaging. I think the semantics might be different for all of us, the way that you think about it. But for me, I think that that's the best way that I can describe it. Okay. You have to love them because it's not about loving what they do. Okay. But you have to, for me, you have to understand it from their point of view. Absolutely. You know? I buy that. That's, and, absolutely. And, and yeah. you have that, to understand, you have to, you have to be, understand their motivation yeah. and love that motivation because that's when you're going to get the best, yeah. you know, out of them. That's, and, that's very relevant to this episode and the scene that we're talking about too, because you're, you're talking about Nacho, a criminal who is trying to kill or at least neutralize another criminal mm-hmm. so nobody's right. a good guy in this scenario but you're so nervous because you're like please get away with this murder who, act who are you rooting well, for well, exactly. well put very well put and, exactly. and it's very similar to the storytelling that you were talking about in that in in that episode of Breaking Bad where you've got a guy trying to kill another guy I mean, yeah. it, nobody's right but you oh you really hope they get away with it you really hope that you're rooting for a person doing a terrible That's thing that, and That's that, that is drama right there I, I, that I, is I, drama I agree I remember learning the way I learned about this, or the the reference I always make in my own head is in Psycho, that you know Norman Bates is you know, he's he's trying to get rid of Marion Crane's body in right. the swamp, and he pushes that that her, her body's in the trunk of a car, mm-hmm. and he pushes it. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it away. Uh, spoiler alert! He pushes he pushes the car into the swamp, and and then the car stops, and you're like, no, no, I want the I want him to hide the body, right. and then you're what the hell am right. I thinking? Exactly. I want Norman Bates to hide the exactly. body of this character who I loved and identified with just yeah. 15 minutes earlier, yeah. uh, and so it's it's. That's that I think is is one of the fat. That's why I think one of the problems in the business, just to sorry to to sidebar, is the idea that you have to um, characters have to be likable. You know, there's a big difference between judging someone as likable and being fascinated by them. And, yeah. And then it's and, and so it's it's I think the idea that that likability is is the central thing that we need in characters is just 
terribly misguided. Relatability mm-hmm. or what you know something like that. You I, have to want to care. You have yeah. to want to care what happens to them. Whether it's whether you want to care that they that they you know die or yeah. that they you know get their come up and yes, yes yeah. you have to want to care. Yeah. If you don't care, it's done. You're lost. That's, That's so it. true. Yeah. So true. Um, there's so many things that I want to get, get talk about in this episode. Okay, and we will get to none of them. First, <laughs> we're going to talk about the big scene where Mike digs up this body oh, yeah. because it was a big, big scene. You guys went out to the desert. Yeah. The one big scene. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful shot where I'm not sure what you guys used, but it's some kind of big, huge crane that moves where Mike right. is walking out to the spot. That was gorgeous. That was, that was. Like movie, that was a movie shot right there. It was, it was really well cut too. I love the mo- the montage that you did. Oh, thank you. You know what? My I will give a shout out to my assistant Taylor. He actually made that the high shot with all Mike digging all the holes. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually uh, uh, made that work. That was cool. Uh, one of the notes that Peter gave him was. Um, uh, wasn't it like that you wanted to see Mike keep digging but yet move around but that the one hole he wanted to keep digging and well, well somehow in what the, a we good had idea the, we had That's the good. idea and I don't think we had the idea I think it was in post somewhere mm-hmm. in post we had the idea of seeing many mics at right. the same time and that was just because uh, one's just not enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, in fact Jonathan Heather, Banks is Heather is that, is that he would agree to that I don't want to give anything away is that actually Jonathan Banks uh, the high shot is not. Ah. Uh, Jonathan, we were we were actually shooting two units. Two right? units. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike had the or Jonathan Banks had mm-hmm. the device, and we were talking about the prop department doing yes. the research. They did a lot of research on the time period metal detectors, detectors and yes. what kind of noises they would make and wow. what we would see them doing. And then we had a crane also, and it was it was pretty windy that day, so it was a challenge I think to keep the <laughs> the camera steady. But they did a wonderful job. Nice. So that's a great um, shot. and so that's his that's uh, Jonathan's stunt, stunt double, double. Yeah. who's actually doing right. all that digging in the high angle. Right, but Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan actually a, did he, the he digging. Has a no digging clause in his contract. <laughs> right? No manual labor. Right, <laughs> <laughs> only close ups. He right? swung a shovel that's what he on told this me, one. At least. I don't know. Goes <laughs> along with the the no no bitching clause. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan did a lot of walking and digging in the scene he did it he did it now job. let me ask you it's, it's seriously it sounds like a joke but were there batteries in this thing did it actually work did you guys actually find anything well, the, the the metal detector there were batteries i believe i think there were batteries in there because it yeah. could have helped defray yeah. the cost the, well he the the, the, <laughs> the finding of the actual body we didn't shoot out in the desert we shot that in front of q studios on a different day oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whose hand was that was that a real person or was it a Come on! It was a real person. Not gonna say what. Who. Somebody. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, I mean. No. I mean. Seriously. I mean. We say a little piece of a dead body. Usually, it's a real person because it's you know they're buried. They're not completely buried, but they're just you know a little bit of a hand with the rest of the person out of frame or something. Is that how you guys did that? Or we did. We had the makeup department build that. They did an awesome, a wonderful job. Well, hands Heather, all Heather, can, and stuff. can we can we can we reveal Heather uh, your expertise? Oh yeah, I'm in a this cool. area. Heather Forces actually Heather jam. actually was the, Heather. And your dad your dad weighed in too. Yeah, so my dad you, just sent some notes back. That. He's a let's mortician. Talk- my oh, dad, my, my uncle, my grandpa. We have a monopoly on death in Southern in, Nebraska. In Nebraska. Uh, yeah, so so we got some good notes on on the aging and the weathering of the hand and. 
the location, you know, because it's dry and what, what the skin would look like, what the coloration would be, That's what the awesome. nail beds would look like. Damn. So, wow. um, wait, wait. So th three, three generations beds. of morticians in the heartland of America and you became a Hollywood writer. writer. Yeah. <laughs> I, they I, must I be so proud. biochemistry actually for a while. Because um, you, you literally, you, your life story is very much, I mean, not specific plot points, but it's very much uh, six feet under. Six feet I mean, you grew yeah, up, we you grew, grew up, up in, in a funeral home. home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fun home. I drove um, a hearse around on New Year's Eve a few years in a row, and it was very popular. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, Heather there, we're, we aren't even going to be able to scratch the surface of oh, Heather's fascinating yeah. life and her amazing mind. Uh, she is... Uh, She's. A, I. I. I'm not even. I don't even feel that I understand a, a one percent of oh who God. you are. But I don't but, it, but you. Uh, but it's. <laughs> there's. There's a lot there, and it's. And it's. She's. I keep finding out new aspects to your life story. That every every time we get into a new area, suddenly Heather has had a job that we'd never heard about yeah. that, that, that impacts on the You want to hear about my pie fetish years? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Heather wrote, Heather yes. wrote the pie setting video. Yes, she did. Yes. That was, that that was, was I, awesome. I think that was the I first time I understood. That, that was the first time I saw how uh, just what, what, a lunatic, how uh, what a lunatic you are. It just, or you were able to, to write. Because Heather, in, in, if, if you Google her, you'll see that she, her in appearance, you would not imagine uh, right. What's really going on behind those eyes? Okay. Uh, and she is. She is. Oh, a remarkable, these dough wings are individual. so tight. <laughs> That's my favorite line. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. And believe I it or not, berries. I didn't even research that. I just thought a you normal person might call them dough weaves. You wrote it over lunch, I believe. <laughs> I did write that over a lunch break. And uh, you guys just said, you know, write half a page on someone sitting in a pie and crying. And I thought, <laughs> well, you know, I could give him a backstory. Like maybe he's a lifeguard. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, I hate to keep doing this, but I'm just, I want to rush through a couple of these things. Um, the music store, you guys got the, the, the awesome. brothers. The, the brothers. They are yeah. so great. And so we brought them back. Jason to do, Randy. But the question, my question is, okay, so you guys brought back old legendary Jimmy for slipping Jimmy on this one how did that come up in the in the room well I can never remember Actual who's, whose ideas were you know it's it's, it's I think I don't care whose I, ideas whose just tell me the genesis of bringing I, back slipping Jimmy I think that we we realized and I don't I, I think we realized that these two guys were going to do dirt to Jimmy because in, in the previous episode, Jimmy keeps getting kicked in the slats, mm -hmm. and he, he ends up he ends up doing this commercial for free, and running it for free. And now he's come back to um, he's come back to reap the rewards. And in fact, at the beginning of the scene, the way Heather wrote it, you know, he's, he's uh, there's more business in the store. These people have these two guys really have benefited from this. But then they now they're trying to they, screw him again. They do. They try. Well, they also point out the the flaw in his whole his whole scheme of selling TV commercial time, which is that you don't usually run a new commercial every for every time slot. And these yeah, guys these guys are perceptive enough to realize that they already have a commercial. Why not run it again? Jimmy's it's it's and it's 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 terrible for Jimmy. I identify with him. Yeah. And then the I idea hate these guys. he's pushed he's pushed far enough that he actually reverts to uh, to the story he told way back in the pilot, and he does that slip and fall. And I don't remember who's I. I just remember in the room, 
being so excited by the idea of getting to see <laughs> this, uh, finally getting to see him do a slip and fall. Yeah. And I love afterward, I love uh, the added uh, thing he added, which is that he's, he's gotten a little too old to be doing these slip and falls. He's, he's kind of- He actually he's, hurts himself. He's banged yeah. up. He's banged yeah. up for the rest of the hour. Because I, I yes. was like, wow, I thought he was good at this so he didn't hurt himself, but he actually does. Talk about that amazing stuff. How, that, how did that, now talk about how that works. Well, Al Godo did a great job there. Was that Al who did it? Al had, was yeah. was Al the one who did it? No. no, Al had the mat, and he was. We had a mat down. We shot it. I don't remember how. I can it was. I can tell down. you a little it bit just from seeing very the dailies. Very complicated though. Is um there's a it's what they call a motion control uh, piece because it starts with Jimmy still talking to the brothers and then it actually moves over and in that move over it's all computerized uh, with the camera so in that move you get um, Jimmy walking over and he actually walks over and he sort of kicks his uh, I believe is his right leg right out leg, as yeah. if he was as if he stepped on the drumstick and then he stops okay and then they go back and they shoot a stunt man doing that same move over with the camera all computerized so it looks the same and they actually put out a mat and there's a, a stunt guy who actually kicks his right leg out and in that one he actually kicked the cymbal stand over yeah. and he went you know square on his back and after that he lands i believe it's one of his knees is up i want to say his left knee but i don't remember and then they freeze and then uh, uh bob comes back in and puts it gets in that same position and then you have the uh the drama kids coming over oh my god are you okay are you okay and then you know bob is on the floor so um our visual effects people get all of those pieces i i cut it together we didn't bother to really composite anything like bob or anything in with the stunt guy we just i just cut it together w with the stunt guy and then the visual effects people come in and they put the scene together it's astounding it's very similar i was getting ready yeah. to say that yeah, it's, it's very similar that they did the ryan johnson stunt uh when when um, Walt, fell when off Walt the, falls off the yeah. catwalk and fly. Okay, yeah, and right, and right. as we record this, uh, Bill Pulaski's still working on the shot. In fact, I, I, was, <laughs> wow. I was looking. I was looking at uh, looking at interim versions of it yesterday. So this is uh, this is a shot that's that's as as we speak is still in progress somewhere. We hope you love it. But it's but it's also <laughs> mapping Bob Odenkirk's face onto the stuntman, right? That's right. And frame by frame, right? Wow. Sure. Yeah. When he like, when like he magic. turns back, yeah. How does it? Oh, okay. When All he right. turns just because when uh he turns away there's a there's a, a switch between bob and the stunt artist uh right mm -hmm. at the beginning of the fall and then but then when the stunt artist's head starts turning towards camera then there is a map of bob's face uh, wow. onto onto the stunt artist wow amazing mm -hmm. well you know spielberg made dinosaurs walk again so that, that, looked, that looked pretty good too <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That they was didn't a have long time ago faces i want to get this a long time ago face on this so number one on the call sheet so bob was like unwilling to actually just like take a fall what what, what the fuck was honestly motion control mapping the face just fall i had to jump over a wall i didn't have a stunt Gosh, I think I think we have to wrap it up. Okay, wait, wait. Before we wrap it up, I want to go over because um, it what uh, what Patrick said earlier really rang true for me, where he says I'm the best dressed guy in the room. I'm I look better than any of these. Did people I say it like that? Here. That's so that's unfortunate. <laughs> right. So so we're in the restaurant. 
in the restaurant where oh, Kim was talking scene. to uh, yeah. oh, talking yeah. to uh, the Mesa Verde yeah. uh, people, and she kind of gets uh, uh, the assignment to uh, to go talk to Billy Gatwood, who's who's um, um, the Mesa. What's the Mesa Verde guy's name? I want to call him Rex. I want to call him Rex Lynch. Rex Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, what's the character? Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin Wachtel. Yeah. Kevin Wachtel asked her to go check on his buddy Billy Gatwood's. Uh, oil company and Howard, you know, oh yeah, he sees Kim and the Mesa Verde people. Snake. Let me go over there because I'm the best dressed guy here. You know, you know. First of all, it, 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 I, I thank you, uh, Heather, because it, it's it, in 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 one scene it shows uh, Howard and Howard uh, becoming something else as well because. Um, I'm entering the restaurant. I have no idea that Kim's going to be there with Mesa Verde. I'm doing my business, right. and then she's there. And in the the world of manners, and the world that Howard lives in. To ignore the fact that my former protege and we had a, we had a falling out is in the restaurant would be wrong. That would be rude. So the proper thing is to go over and say something, which Heather gives me the words to go over and say. And and I don't think again, I don't think that Howard is saying anything untoward. I don't think he's doing anything that's really dickish. Really, he's actually going over and showing his face to the winning side, saying, "Hi, no hard feelings. How are things going?" Now, you can interpret how I treat Kim however you want, but I think it was perfectly fine the way I do. What about the doc review cut? The doc review cut, yes, is maybe perhaps. Well, again, that is, again, this is Heather giving me Howard's mask is slipping there, right? Okay. All of a sudden, something is bubbling to the surface that he does not like, and we see the fruition of that in the beginning of uh, out there at the valet stand as well. It's the first time that we actually see Howard in public. I mean, at a valet stand, how embarrassing. He loses his shit. And that's how much Kim and the actions that have been put in motion, going all the way back to Jimmy, all the way back into episode one with him barging into my into my room. Yeah. All of that has been, he's been sitting on uh-huh. for like two and a half seasons that's now. Right. And this is the first time in a one-two punch, you see Howard not being able to maintain his comedy of manners as best as he as he, as he could. Yeah. And I have to say there was something satisfying about being out the valet and, mm-hmm. and finally being able to like yell at somebody for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Heather. Yeah, you did a great job. <laughs> it's been really fun seeing the different colors of, of Howard this season. Yes. I mean, really, you've gotten to see those different shades because he is such a controlled guy. But they're not man, all Hamlindigo. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, yeah those, those things that the McGill brothers do really, really start to fuck with him. Absolutely, yeah, at some point, it's like, really, this is my lot in life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Getting it from all sides. What was the, your favorite scene to write in this whole episode? Oh, I was, you know, I was thinking about that earlier. It's so hard because <clears throat> I liked, I, I loved writing for, uh, for Mel. Uh, and Bob in the flashback, I liked. I liked finding the corpsey is what we were calling that. <laughs> corpsey is um, that a technical yeah. term in the trade? Yeah, corpsey. John um, John corpsey. John corpsey. Uh, it, it was great to write the scene between uh, Howard and Kim and at the valet. It's it's just it was such a full episode, and you know Nacho doing the pill switch. I I don't know the the music store was really fun. There was comedy and some tension too. So it was it was a lot of fun. To and write. we haven't even mentioned Howard and Chuck have it. Oh, it's our, it's it's our it's our nicest moment. That's right. I'm sitting on a Jaguar and, and he comes strolling down the street with groceries. That's yeah, right. when Chuck gets he has to go to the grocery store. That's yeah, he's that. actually gone out. And so there's a great moment before I have to you know deliver some different news. Right. But but there is a moment like I'm sitting waiting for him and there he comes strolling down the street, which is something we have not seen at all. And we assume Howard hasn't seen it as well. And so it's a wonderful sort of like oh. You know what, maybe we're over a hump. Maybe some of this darkness is behind us, and I think mm-hmm. that's nice. And so I think leading into whatever I have to say to him isn't as, as bad 
as, as, as it's going to be because there's Chuck just walking down the street like a normal guy, which yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, he's just had a, a significant victory, Chuck has. He got his own milk. He got his own milk. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah, I love that. So what is, when he says, uh, you know, red apples, uh, yellow bananas, uh, what, 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 where did that come from? What is that about? That, that came from a therapist, and that's actually, I can't remember the technical term for it. It's like a redirection when you're anxious about something. You identify the, the color and an object through three times in a row that are unrelated to the thing that's causing you anxiety. That makes sense, actually. I might try that, because it's basically getting at it. No, oh, I have. I'm not even I kidding. have since I heard about yeah, it. It's, it it's like getting out of your own crazy neurotic uh, craziness going yeah. on in your brain. Does it get to, un to stop your brain from spinning? Right. Yeah, gotcha. And that's something that presumably Dr. Cruz gave to Chuck gotcha. as a as a coping technique before and, he went to the grocery store. And it's a real one, obviously, a real coping yes. technique. Cool. Bizarre, but look who just walked in the door. And we're going to get him on the podcast right quick. Pop oh, and Kirk. Yay! Yay! Oh, hi. You know what? What, uh, what episode are you talking about? We're talking about 308. Oh, wow. Cool. And you know what? Right at the point, we're right at the end, um, sort of near the end, where, um, and I'm glad you walked in, and I'm glad you, you decided to sit down with us for a moment, mm -hmm. because I wanted to talk to you about this scene out where you're picking up trash, and uh, and you get the idea to uh, help the, 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 the mug mealer guy, the drug dealer guy, <laughs> get away. And I don't know what you're talking about. Really? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. But you know about. what? It's one of the first times, and this is why I wanted to grab you right quick. It's one of the first times, or I guess, yeah, one of the first times, that we start to really see the Saul Goodman character come out. What is it's, she talking it's, about? Bob, you remember the scene? The scene you're, you're, uh, he you're really is telling service. the truth. He doesn't know. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And then you, the kid, the kid wants to get away from community service, and so yes, you offer yes, 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 if yes, he pays. Yes, thank you. Go. Sorry. When you basically tell the the Parks and Rec guy about uh -huh. you know that that uh, you're going to sue him, I'm going to sue you personally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about? I mean, um, I just don't think that is Saul as much. See, this stuff is that's Jimmy. That's and, he, and that's who he is. That's who he is. That's a facility he has to manipulate other people and think about what matters to them and use it against them and negotiate. That's just who he. That's the that's the quality he has that makes should make him a good lawyer and think places him uh, makes him pursue this. You know whatever this line of work. Um, but I think Saul is the guy who really doesn't care about the collateral damage and knows it and is aware. Jimmy sometimes does things to hurt people and that's what the purpose of his scheme is to hurt chuck usually but he's very seems to be oblivious to the collateral damage or not wanting to look at it mm -hmm. saul is f kind of more mature fully aware of what who's going to get hurt and he doesn't care it's about him it's about serving himself and so when he makes those emotional choices, to me, that's that's where we're getting in touch with Saul. It's not the name. It's not the fast talking. He did that when he was 16. He, he's done it his whole life. Mm. It's the growth in the character to an awareness of their people get hurt by my schemes, mm -hmm. a kind of a self-awareness that he's been doing damage. He does do damage when he schemes and stuff. And, and an awareness of that, and then a, a not caring, a choice to be mercenary about life. And that's just from his feelings being hurt over and over and over. And 
you know, people learn the wrong lessons from life. <laughs> you know, you want people to learn the right lesson, you know, and, and you want yourself to learn the right lesson, but it's very often that we, you know, we feed our kids cookies because our parents wouldn't give us cookies. <laughs> it's like, what? Eat a normal amount of cookies. Your parents were wrong, but that doesn't mean you should, you know, I mean, you know, it's just like, Mm-hmm. Everyone overcompensates, everyone overreacts to the world and their, you know, the pain that they su- they go through. And I think in this case, this character, this is how I interpret it. I, I leave it to you guys to make the final choice or tell us what you're thinking. But that's the journey I see it, see happening or feel happening. Hmm. I like that's that. Taking the wrong lessons from life. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. What do you think about my appraisal? I think it's good. It's great. Great. Actually, it's I think deep. it's very good. I seriously it's do. It's deep. Wait, I'm, yeah. wait, wait I'm, I'm supposed to stop giving my kids cookies? Is that what I'm supposed <laughs> to do? <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you guys for, uh, we want to thank Patrick and Jennifer and Heather for thanks coming for in here. Me. And thank uh, thanks special thanks us. to Bob for dropping in at the Hi, end. Hey, can I wow. give a quick shout out? Vince. Um, I watched, did anyone else see, and by the way, when you hear this, it'll be, the show will already have been out for at least two weeks, but did anyone else see Anne with an E? Last night on Netflix, it, it uh, came out. No, no, not yet. Moyer Wally Beckett yeah. from oh, the Breaking yeah. Bad, oh, yeah. uh, Better Call Saul yeah. extended family. It's Anna her Green show. Oh, it's great. it's Anna Green Gables. Yes. It's called Anne with an E. It came out on Netflix last night. And again, by the time people hear this, it'll already be out. It'll already be a big hit. As it'll it still be out. It's re- it'll still be out. Yeah, it's right. good, huh? It's really great. I saw the for Holly and I saw the first episode, and uh, she did a wonderful job. So shout out to Moira. Part of when the family. When you say first episode, they're all out on Netflix. Yeah, when I said first episode, the first episode was like watch one 90 minutes long and, and wonderful. Didn't feel that long. And, uh, and we miss you, Moira. And we miss you, Moira. But yeah, so all we had time for last night Moira was Moira Lou. Moira Lou. Congratulations, Moira, Moira Lou. So, thank you for letting me do that. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, well, and and uh, at the very last thing, Patrick, have, I don't know if you've done this. We, we end every show. We used to end with uh, a soundbite of Bob doing it. But then every episode, we've had someone else do kind of their their best Better Call Saul in their really sell it to take us out. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Sure, so sure, if sure. you if you wouldn't mind giving us one of those and uh, thank you guys very much for listening. All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, Better Call Saul. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> good one. That was a good watch out. Bob. Added pressure Excellent. of him staring at you as he did it. Too. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, yeah.